Hello, church. I recorded the podcast you're about to listen to with my new friends uh, down at Good Lion Podcast earlier this year. They contacted me after listening to a sermon I gave last year in the middle of the madness that was the summer of 2020, when our world was on fire quite literally. With the pandemic in full effect, the racial unrest and what some are calling a racial reckoning that was happening during that time, marches and riots and deep tension and division in the church. And I gave a sermon called Social Justice and the Way of Jesus out of Mark chapter 3, a very uh, disruptive sermon for some in our church at that time. Well, it so happens that they released this episode of me talking about justice and the way of Jesus this very week, the same week we just went through the same portion of scripture in our study of Mark. It was too serendipitous to pass up. So I asked them if they wouldn't mind taking over our podcast today to share this episode of Aaron and I in conversation about social justice. So a little background. You might want to pause right here and go back and listen to this sermon I gave on June 7th of 2020 called Social Justice in the Way of Jesus, and then come back to this podcast. Oftentimes, you can't capture all your processing and thinking around a single topic, especially one like uh, the hot topic of justice. But I'm really grateful that there are people in the world like Aaron and Brian who host this podcast who know how to ask great questions to help people like me clarify some of the thoughts and pastoral impulses around a topic like this. So I also encourage you to go and subscribe to their podcast called Good Lion. Here is my conversation with Aaron. In all the insanity, confusion, and cultural upheaval of the early 2020s, there's been a growing resurgence of the term social justice that has been taking the world by storm, especially in the wake of George Floyd's death. However, like many issues today, Christians are divided on the term social justice. To some, it represents a biblical form of restorative justice that reflects our responsibility to honor, love, and serve all humans as made in the image of God, and to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. To others, it represents a flawed and broken political ideology that has been corrupted by secular humanists beyond repair. For others, the truth is found somewhere in the middle. For this reason, some Christian leaders are urging their followers to completely reject the usage of the phrase social justice and to treat anyone who uses it with suspicion. To discuss this divide and how we can think critically about it as followers of the way, I've invited a guy I really look up to, Dave Lomas, lead pastor of Reality San Francisco. Dave recently taught a sermon at Park Hill San Diego, Evan Wickham's church, all about what it means to do social justice as a follower of Christ. In the intro to the message, it was noted that while there are many ways the world does social justice that Christians should not be about, Dave made the case that there is a way to do it that is both biblical and Christ-honoring. Today, we're going to talk about that. Now, we understand this is a very heated and contested topic, and we here at the Good Line Podcast are honestly still just trying to figure it out. We're not experts by any means, and we're still processing what this is and what this looks like. So if you're listening and you have any encouragement for us or constructive criticism or pushback, we honestly would love to hear it. You can email us at network at gmail.com and let us know your thoughts. Our hope is to try to have a nuanced conversation about this topic in a way that honors Jesus and honors people who disagree with each other on both sides of the divide. It's our sincere hope that it helps you think through this issue from a gospel-centered lens. I'm Aaron Salvato, and I'm so glad you could be here for this conversation. You're listening to The Good Lion Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Good Lion Podcast. I'm here with Dave Lomas. Dave. Hey. Thanks for being up? here. Of course. My pleasure. <laughs> so fun. So good to have you, man. We, we've been a big fan of you for a long time. A, a lot of us here have listened to your sermons off and on, and they've always been really encouraging. So mm. we just appreciate your time, man. Thanks for being here. Yeah, yeah. My honor. This is really cool. Awesome. Okay, so my first question in this conversation for you is when you, as a pastor as a Christian, as a minister, use the term social justice. What specifically do you mean by that? Yeah, I think what you said, I want to just kind of click into one word you said was pastor. I am a mm. pastor. I'm not a social activist. I'm not, you know, I'm not any, th- what I am is I'm a pastor who is trying to teach people and shepherd people into the way of Jesus. So mm. I'll just yeah. caveat that. So I, so when you're coming to any of my sermons or anything I write or anything I do, when it, 
when I talk about any of these really charged topics and I, and I mm. wade through a lot of them in San Francisco, as you can imagine, and yeah. we don't yeah. try to shy away from any of them. We talk about all of the, all of the difficult topics at our church. I'm coming at that from a pastor's perspective. So first thing mm. I'll say, uh, is that the second thing, you know, to answer your question, when I think of social justice, I think of, I think I just parse those two words out. Like, I mean, social having to do with the social fabric of any society or any community or congregation and making sure that there's trying to see it from a place where the righteousness of God and the justice of God get, get meted out in a way that, that we're mm-hmm. all able to embody it. So that's what I think that's of good. when I think of social justice. Now there's all kinds of buzzwords and trigger words when we use this and all kinds of kind of like a kaleidoscope of, of different things people think of. But when yeah. I'm using the word, that's specifically how I'm using it. From there, a great place to transition would be for the Christian trying to do social justice. What does that look like? Can you give us any tangible examples, like moving out of the area of theory? What does it look like practically? Yeah, I think it's you have to pick where you're going to start. I think, first of all, you have to start somewhere when you keep it in the realm of theory, which is, I love how you frame that theory. A lot of people love reading books on this and talking about it until it's happening around your dinner table. It's not really happening so just try it. You're, you're going to fail, fail forward. So w- w- some practical ways you could do that. It, this, if you take the topic of, let's say you take the topic of race, mm. what social justice looks like in a topic of race is, first of all, you have to do your homework and do your history, but also start conversations, start trying to making sure that, that the diversity, the future sort of like idea of God's multi-ethnic kingdom reality is reflected in your dinner, your dinner, mm-hmm. your dinner um, parties. Yeah. So I think of it that way and having these conversations with people of different ethnicities and backgrounds um, and race in your, in your neighborhood, in your, in your friendship circle, like it has mm-hmm. to start there, have the conversations, making sure that you're, that you're bringing people over your house for dinner to, to make sure that you're having, you're learning and you're having these conversations and you're thinking about how, how is, how is the righteousness and the justice of God like spread out into this community through the mm. church? And mm. then you're thinking about that with, you know, it depends on your listeners, maybe men and women in ministry and leadership. You're talking about that. Like, how do you do that? Now, there has to be a North Star whenever you're doing this. So mm. if your North Star is not the teachings of Jesus, the way of Jesus, and, and, and the scripture as a whole, but I, I'll, I'll, I like to zero in on the teachings of Jesus and then as Paul lived out the teachings of Jesus and taught the te- but teachings of Jesus. Right. If that is not your North Star, then you're really in trouble. Mm. Mm. So whenever you're doing any of these conversations, justice in any of these forms, and these, I just named three really hot button ones in the church. Right. You're ha- you have to keep the teachings of Jesus as a North Star. And when you do that, I found you get really stuck if you just keep this in, the, in, in theory. You have to start having these conversations around your dinner table. So that's how it started for me. Yeah. That's interesting. It's interesting to me that oftentimes what I see when it comes to the secular approach to this is social justice is framed very much around activism, social media activism, and and pushing largely for change when it comes to politics or policies or that sort of thing. But you don't start there. Your starting place is around tables, getting to know people, hearing their stories, looking them eye to eye. I think that's interesting. And I think that there, there's something distinctly Christian about that. Yeah. I, you know, the, the social media, social activism is a really funny thing. It's <laughs> super easy to tweet something. I've been tweeted at, I've been Instagram DM'd, I've been Facebook thinged over and over <laughs> and over again. Hmm. And, and the reason why I don't think that's healthy is that you don't, first of all, you don't know people don't know me, like really know like what happens around my dinner table. Right. And so, and I don't know, I don't know, a lot, I don't know you, you know, like people that are, that are posting stuff on their, on their social media. I think right. when you get to know people around a dinner table and you hear the nuances of their background, their experiences, their hopes, their dreams, we're all a lot more similar than we, than we think we are. And mm. we all actually kind of want the same things. And mm-hmm. we just get divided on how we want them. I think mm. we all want justice. I think we all want social justice and, and, and the how for Christians, we only get 
uh, we only get there through the motivation of the kingdom of God and seeing everyone in the image of God. So anyway, so I'm kind of yeah, going yeah. off on a tangent, but yeah, that no, no, that's good. That's around good. a table. That is where I've, I, I first started having any of these conversations. So if I teach right. on social justice or race at my church, or I teach on any sort of topic, I've done at least about, you know, six months to a year of work around my dinner table before I mm. talk about it. Wow. That's incredible. If I could take a minute, I think what might be helpful to the listeners is maybe I can, I can describe where I'm at in my current understanding of what Christian social justice looks like. And you're somebody who's taught on this, preached on this. It'd be nice if maybe you could help me see if maybe I've got it or maybe if I have a way to go and kind of understanding. Because I think a lot of people struggle with understanding this concept, especially because it's conflated so much with kind of a secular way of looking at it. So yeah. the, 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 my current understanding is, you know, in, we've got this idea of justice and it's this idea of, you know, it means punitive justice, punishing criminals, punishing crime. And that's an element of justice. But the Bible seems to talk about when you look at Hebrew words like tzedakah and mishpat and chesed, it's these ideas of justice is more than just punishing criminals and punishing sinners. That's a part of it. But there's this other element of justice where it's because humans are made in God's image God looks at them and says, not because of anything they've done, but because they're mine, because I made them, they're worthy of love and dignity and, and, and service and charity and all these things. So this idea is for the Christian, for the follower of Yahweh, you know, the, you see this all over the, the, the Old Testament, and then it, it comes into, you know, Christianity, and we see it specifically really laid out well in the book of Acts. But it's this idea of because human beings are made in the image of God, we should love them. We should serve them. We should bend over backwards to show them that we're supportive and, and we're there for them. And so anything outside of, you know, supporting someone's sin, but, but just showing someone that you care. Like, for instance, I, I, in my understanding, I put homeless ministry under the banner of Christian social justice. I put advocating for the rights of the unborn, you know, under the banner of Christian social justice. It's this idea of social as in the community and then you are as the Christian coming into the community and basically disadvantaging yourself for the sake of the community. You're giving them your time, your efforts, sometimes your money, your, your, your care, you know, just sitting around the dinner table, like you said, and hearing from them and treating them like a human being. That kind of all falls underneath the banner. So that, that's where I'm at in my understanding. And I'd love to know what that looks like. Yeah, I think that's a really good summary. So how, how I would respond to that and maybe try to clarify a few things that you said you know, if you, you know, if you and I were talking about this in a counseling appointment or whatever, or a, or a coffee, you're like, Hey, I, this is how I kind of understand it. How would you tweak yeah. that? Or I'd say there, there might be a slight difference between mercy and justice, though mm -hmm. they do go hand in hand. There is a kind of, of ministry that, that Jesus calls us into. That is a mm -hmm. very mercy oriented, like you're not really trying to change the system. You're mm -hmm. really trying to be present and care. Now that might change the system that might change people and, and, and systems, but mainly you're there offering the presence of Christ to people, a cup of cold water, right? Mm -hmm. Visiting people who are sick, visiting mm -hmm. people who are imprisoned, caring for the poor, caring for mm -hmm. the homeless, feeding, clothing. This is like stuff that this is just the, the presence of, of Jesus this is what he calls everyone to. So we can't, I think sometimes we get so paralyzed as Christians as followers right. of Jesus, we get so paralyzed in having to think, how am I subverting the system? How am I actually bringing justice to the whole thing? And we yeah. get paralyzed to go, you can literally get to know people who are houseless in your neighborhood. And there's, mm, there's, yeah. there's, there's a guy that my wife and I love, too. One just passed away who are houseless. And well, actually, they got into homes now, but they were houseless for a long time, live in a neighborhood. And we don't just like give them a dollar. We spend time with them. We just like mm. hang out with them mm. and yeah. like, what do you need? What do you need right now? What? And it's just let our daughter grow up around them. Like just let our daughter Juniper, who's two and a half, just like get to know them and say hi and let them just kind of like soak in a two and a half year old's cuteness and silliness and stuff. So that's, that's like, for me, it's, it's like, it's like mercy. That's, that's, mm. a, that's a mercy type. That's what Jesus calls every one of us to do. Don't get stuck where you think that uh, that's not, you're not doing anything to affect the system. Every mm. Christian should be doing that. Just mm. walking slowly and softly and being able to offer a cup of cold water, that sort of thing. Now, yeah. justice would be, you know, I use the analogy in the, in, the, in the sermon 
that you reference at the top of the show of, you know, there's that very old kind of parable of what justice and mercy look like. Mercy mm. is pulling babies out of, out of the river. Like if you're mm. camping on the side of a river and you see babies just flowing in the river, mercy is just pulling up, pulling out the babies, like rescuing babies, rescuing babies. When you're rescuing enough babies, there's gotta be someone who goes upstream and like, like who, where, where are you going? Like, I'm going up to see who's throwing all these babies in the water and I'm going to stop it there. You know, yeah. um, that's yeah. justice. And mm. so there is a part of where you get involved in houseless and homeless coalitions where you're actually trying to solve. That's, I think that's what we're talking about. Justice and yeah. the justice of God is on this side of, of the new heavens and the new earth is restorative. Whenever, mm. whenever God especially in the life of Jesus, he's, when he's doing justice, he's doing it to restore people. Mm. He wants mm. restoration. So he doesn't just want punishment. He wants right. restoration. And this is the hope of, of the justice work of Christians. They want, we want mm. restoration. So when we think about it in church, let's think about it like I'm a pastor, so I think about it in church. When I think, when I think about racism as a church, the justice piece that I want to see is like the, the, the way that the system is set up to where there's only one demographic in leadership. I want to mm. subvert that system to where there is more, not just demographic, there's more ethnicity and race represented in the leadership. Mm. So I go to the system. What system allows only, you know, dominant culture, whatever that culture is, it could mm. be white culture, it could be Asian culture, it could be black culture. Mm. What is it that, that keeps this thing from being monocultural, monoethnic, and mm. then how do I subvert that system to bring in more of, more of the, the multi-ethnic reality of the kingdom of God? Mm. So then I'm trying to change that. I'm thinking of systems now. I'm like, how do I change that system? What is it unjust in the system? And then right. how do I change that system? When I zoom out and I think of a nation, I mean, we, don't, we can't really solve a nation, but the, how the church should see this is in what parts have we, have we played into racism as a mm. nation in the church? And then yes. how do we subvert that system? That's the work of social justice. It doesn't have to be as politically charged as we make it, but we do. It's just <laughs> humans yeah. and we're sinful. It could be as simple as that. What ways do we see injustice? And then how right. do we subvert the systems to bring right. about restoration? That's good. Yeah, I think uh, touching on that political comment, I think a hard thing people struggle with, and especially even Christians, is it's hard for us to conceive of solutions to problems outside of politics. It's hard for us to think that, the Holy Spirit and, and the church is strong enough on its own to make a difference uh, without co-opting yeah. our faith to our politics. So, Gosh, yeah. but, but I think, you know, I, I agree with everything you're saying uh, thus far. And I think when I think of my, this audience, the audience of this show, the abortion issue is one that's very near and dear to their heart. And so I think it's interesting because the demographic of the people who listen to this show are some that they, not all of them, but some would kind of struggle with the term social justice because of the political baggage. But it's interesting to think, you know, uh, you're talking about the difference between mercy and justice. And it's like, okay, on one level you have within abortion activism, you have Christians who go and they help single mothers and they convince mm -hmm. them like, hey, don't abort this baby, you yep. know? And that's one level of it. But then you say, okay, what if we're actually like trying to figure out why so many babies are being aborted? Why if we're trying, totally. like, wh what if we're trying to figure out how to change that system and prevent that from happening at a bigger level? And, and so under that definition, it, you're calling it social justice, but many people listening might be like, wait, that's not social justice because social justice is about all these progressive, you know, liberal ideas. And so I 100%. think- I think people struggle with that. And, you know, the, the place I'd want to go through here, I, Wait, I think, let me, before you move on, I want to, I, I wanted yeah, to say for something sure. for sure. And Please I was do. totally, so what, one of the things I would have corrected in what you said before was mm. when you talked about homelessness and houselessness, however you want mm. to frame it and helping houselessness, I don't know if I put that under justice, unless you're a part of a coalition that was solving and building homes for houseless people to get them in. If mm. you're, if you're serving the homeless, that's mercy. Now, mm. you also said abortion. That's the work of justice. Here's mm. why. Usually abortion advocates are trying to change the system mm. so that, and I think these are both systems. Racism is a system and abortion is a system. So mm. racism is a system that views certain bodies of, of color as uh, threatening, systematically oppresses them, and you know, historically redlines them, destroys them. This is like in the history of America. Mm. If you can't acknowledge that, I'm, I'm sorry, that's just literally the history of America. Mm. 
Right. But abortion in the same way is a system where men and women have sex with each other, even though they're, they're no way like committed to each other. So mm-hmm. they're not, they're not in a covenantal marriage. Right. And they don't want to have children with one another. And one of the viable ways to get out of a pregnancy is the system of abortion. Yeah. Mm. That's a system. And I think most abortion advocates are trying to change the system. That system mm. to unborn babies is unjust. Mm. They understand it there, but then you move it to racism. Like, oh, no. And this is the political s- silliness yeah. of, of sometimes what gets in the church. Yeah. They're both systems. Racism is a system. Abortion is a system. And Christians should not take any sort of political side. They should be going, we want restorative justice in every part that's broken in our in our society. Yeah, absolutely. We've made that point here on this show, and it's something that I, I really feel deeply. I think we cannot have this paradigm where we say abortion is a conservative issue, racism is a liberal issue. And so if you're a conservative, you should care about abortion. If you're a liberal, you should care about racism. When it's like these are both systems that hurt people and, and devalue people made in the image of God. So as a Christian, you shouldn't say, okay, my side's over here, my side's over there. It should be both of these things matter to God. And so I should see at least what can I do to make a difference in this area. I think at, at this point I'd want to bring up, I, I, think, I think it would be great to address some of the criticism. And I think if you're up for it, I think someone like you would be a great person. If I could go through some criticism that I've heard about Christians using the term social justice, I'd love to hear uh, your response to that criticism because I think it's important for us as Christians to have these kind of nuanced discussions and not just necessarily have two guys like us who are more sympathetic to this idea, but for us to actually engage with some of that pushback. So is, is that something you're, you're up for? Bro, I live in criticism all the time, so <laughs> give it to me. All right. So at this point, I'm going to bring up a major critic of Christians using the term social justice, and that's a guy named Vody Bakum. Are you are you familiar with uh, Vody? I've just heard about him recently. Not he's that familiar, but someone brought him up. I'm like, I don't know. I, I live in a bubble. I live in a San Francisco <laughs> bubble. V- Vody's a cool guy. So he 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 he's a guy I don't always agree with. Like he takes very strong stances on things. Like for instance, he's very against youth ministry. He's a pastor, but he thinks youth ministry devalues the role of the father in the home. As somebody who was a youth pastor for you know over ten years and saw a lot of fruit from it, I, I would disagree with him there. So uh, I think he's an interesting figure because he does make very strong statements. Um, he's the dean of uh, the seminary at African Christian University in Zambia. Uh, he previously served as the pastor of Grace Family Baptist Church in Spring, Texas, and he's really big in reform circles. He's known for being kind of a no-nonsense, tell-it-like-it-is preacher. And in a sermon that he gave on the topic of social justice, Bauckham notes that it has become popular for Christians today to declare social justice as a gospel issue or a moral imperative for Christ followers. Despite the widespread use of the term social justice in Christian circles, his main argument against it is that it doesn't mean what many believers claim it to mean. To clarify his personal stance on the subject, he says basically this subject of social justice has been co-opted by left-leaning progressive ideologies. And so he, he quotes the 20th century economist F.A. Hayek. Let me just quote a Nobel laureate, Friedrich Hayek, because I think his words sort of sum up my approach and my attitude as it relates to this subject. Hayek writes, I have come to feel strongly that the greatest service I can still render to my fellow men would be that I could make the speakers and writers among them thoroughly ashamed ever again to employ the term social justice. I think that is a worthy goal, to make speakers and writers everywhere ashamed to ever again use the term social justice. And why? Why would I want to do that? Well, let me quote someone else who's not a Nobel laureate, but insightful nonetheless, Inigo Montoya. You keep on using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. He's not a fan, and he's trying to encourage pastors to say, don't use that term because it's so wrapped up in the baggage of the secular ideologies. So, yeah, if you could respond to that, I'd, I'd love to hear what, you, what your thoughts would be. Mm. 
I don't think he's that wrong. I mean, I agree with most of what he's saying. He's he's basically doing and arguing from a point of like uh, verbiage. Hmm. We don't want to use this term social justice. But I think, I mean, I don't know him and I haven't read any of his stuff, but I think we might agree on a lot of those ideologies that most of progressive culture co-ops social justice mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. turns it into including kind of everything, not just we might mean it to mean one thing and then it then culture takes over it and it means all these other things that we don't mean it to mean anymore. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I disagree with him so much. I think it's, then it's like a verbiage. What word do you use then? You know, mm-hmm. justice is a is a is a biblical term so i don't think right. you want to use get rid of the word justice and social is a very good description of where you're trying to bring justice to the society at large if right. there's a better word without trying to you know coin your own phrase to make me your millions what is it <laughs> you know what what term right. do you want to use but i think i think we get christians get too wrapped up in arguing stupid points when we can go great don't use that term what term let's Right. Just say this the same thing. We're saying the same thing. How? Yeah. What yeah. word do you want to use? You know. Right. And if he has a better word, then I'd love to hear it. I mm-hmm. think that for for my city, I do the opposite. I live in San Francisco, obviously. So right. I'm not trying to be the 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 shock pastor that is saying things <laughs> that are like trying to like to to do something to like speak my mind and do that. There's there's certain people that really love that kind of thing. Like thank you, yeah. someone finally saying it. Yeah. And, you know, right. I think I, I don't, I don't, that's not really where my ministry lies. I think my ministry lies in what are you saying using the word social justice? Okay. So let's subvert that word. Let's talk about what you mean by that. Let's talk about what Jesus meant by that. And let's talk about what Jesus did because he did that. He literally did the thing that you're going after to change. But how did he do it? And how do we reorient that into the way of Jesus? That's more of a, a judo approach. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, using using the weight of culture and then flipping it on its head. That's more I kind of learned and cut my teeth when I started a church here in San Francisco on a lot of Tim Keller and his books and his ministry and spent time with him briefly, not briefly, a couple times, just learning from him. And, and that's kind of like hmm. I found it to be way more fruitful because you can't roll up to your... If you live in San Francisco or L.A. or New York or Portland or whatever, and you roll up to your firm and people are using the word social justice, you're like, I don't believe in that word. Like, right. what? You right. won't even have a conversation. You can't even have a conversation. You're arguing about something that's so stupid versus yeah. saying, yeah, I, I, I believe in that, too. And this is how I see that. This is how I actually engage mm. in that. And mm. this is what the way of Jesus teaches that. That's mm. way, way, way more um, persuasive than saying right. that word is so stupid. You should... You, 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 you've had a non-conversation with them. Yeah. One way that we've talked about it here has been a, a house is burning and people are trying to put out the fire. And instead of joining in and trying to help them put out the fire, you're criticizing their hose and their hose maybe is a defective hose and it has a bunch of holes in it. So you're like, Hey, I'm just going to stand here and tell you your hose is stupid. Why are you using that hose? You're an idiot for using that hose. It's wrong for you to use that hose instead of you bringing your own hose to the fire. And, and trying to put it out and joining in the work and maybe even showing them a better way to do the work. And I think that's, that's a much better mentality to have. And it seems to be the one that you're, you're taking. Um, I, I would agree. I think, I think with culture, I, I think we have that tendency to, as Christians, further force ourselves into a bubble and be separatist to culture and reject culture. I, I think of a term like sex. When a Christian says the word sex, they have a very distinct meaning in their mind. It's like this is a one man, one woman, marriage covenant relationship thing. When culture says sex, they have their entire own definition of it. You know, do whatever you want, my body, my choice, you know, be with whoever you want. As long as there's consent, there's no harm. And then that's the way that society looks at sex. But when we, when it's, when we, when it comes to the term, Christians still use the, the word sex. Like even though culture has completely co-opted it and has their own idea of it, we don't say okay, church, we're going to do a sermon series on biblical marital covenant intimacy. We say, no, we're going to do a sermon series on sex. And it's, it's a way, I think, to speak into culture and say, hey, uh, we're going to draw you in because you're interested in this topic, but then we're going to do that judo flip you're talking about, you know, reverse it and say, okay, but here's what, here's what scripture actually says about this. Do you, do you, yeah. think, do you think we're onto something there? Yeah, absolutely. I think 
I, I think if you're if you are in a in a a place and more and more places in in the West, especially in in America, mm. but kind of everywhere in the West, are being more and more uh, contended for. Like meaning, every time you show up and you live in Orange County, you thought it was easy, and it's actually way more contentious than you thought it was. San Francisco mm. has been that way for kind of ever. Portland, whatever city, whatever town, you've Austin, whatever, you're actually like, oh, this is actually. My work, because of secularism, because of, of because of uh, pluralism, all kinds of reasons. Every space is con- is contentious. Every space, it feels like I have to I have to do battle as a, as a follower of Jesus. Hmm. Because of that, you're 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 wanting to move through that space with the kind of nuance, with the kind of persuasion that hmm. I think the Apostle Paul had, and and I, I think to do that, it just doesn't doesn't make any sense to try to like reshape all of the language mm. Mm. when that's not the conversation they're having. Mm. The conversation that the culture is having right now is what is just. Can you, I mean, that is so amazing to think that <laughs> our culture is trying to figure out what is just Yeah, and Christians actually have the answer, but we're arguing about the term. It yeah. seems, it seems silly. Yeah, I would fully agree. I'd, I'd like to give you a little bit more pushback from Vody, not from me, but uh, here, here's some stuff he said, and I'd love for you to speak into this. Of he, He's basically criticizing the way that the world does social justice, and maybe you can respond and, and show us how does the church do it in a way that's different. So he says his argument, his main argument is, again, the, the term has been so perverted by culture that we should just stay away from it. And he says... The culture defines social justice as government redistribution of wealth, advantages, and resources to disadvantaged groups to satisfy their right to social and economic equality. And he says this has Marxist tendencies. Under social justice, those that progressives label as the oppressors must be blamed for inequalities and brought down, and those that they label as oppressed must must then be raised up. And so he's saying basically for the church, like we can't be a part of that. Like that, that's not our place to be a part of that. And if we do, we're going to get lost in the weeds. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of that I would agree with. Mm-hmm. I think that when we get into terms of, of the way that the, that society sees any sort of social justice movement, the way that it kind of takes over and it becomes its own ideology is something that we have to be aware of. Mm-hmm. Now it sounds like what he's trying to do is like, the best way for you to get out of that, that temptation of like, you're going to swept away by ideologies to stop using that term. Hmm. And if he's a pastor or I think it, whatever you said, he was a president of a call or something. I forget what you said. He, he was formerly a pastor and now he is the president of a seminary in Zambia. Okay. So as someone who's, who's training people to think that might hmm. be a really helpful way for, for to training that generation, the people that he, that he teaches to think. Get rid of this term because you will be swept away by the ideology. Now, I, I don't, I wouldn't disagree with that. Again, I would just pose the question: What term are you going to use? Because we, I would agree, social justice has a way of sweeping us away with ideology. When you, when you're for this group, then you have to be for this group. That's the way right. social justice works. And then, right. if you're for this group, then you're for this group. And then you're, you're a socialist all of a sudden, or whatever, you know. So, mm. um, so yeah, I, 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 when it comes to politics. I, I, would, I would tend to agree with what you read in the sense that, and the only caveat I would make would be what, what I believe social justice is trying to do is we have to individually, and I don't think you could legislate this as much. Mm. I think that's what he's talking about, mm. what progressives are trying to do, legislate it. But for, for Christians, we should have the generosity of heart and spirit that we want mm. to disadvantage ourselves for the sake of other people. Yes. Literally, yes. that's what Jesus did. Now, if you're saying, no, that we don't do that as Christians, that would be like, well, then, no, that's not true, that we literally do that as Christians. Right. How to legislate that across the nation and then always attacking the, the people who are in power to, to subvert their power, that's not exactly what Jesus was doing. Jesus was not doing that. <laughs> right. And power isn't bad. I think in a Marxist ideology, power is bad. Jesus mm. had all the power <laughs> in the world. He was literally the most powerful human to ever live. And that's he a great point. used his power— and gave up his power mm. to, to, to leverage his power so that we would have eternal life, that we have life with God forever through the, through the indwelling power of the Spirit. So I, I, like you, to say that power is bad, I think, is a really, really wrong way of thinking, and I would agree with what you read. So, mm. 
Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, it, the, the stuff I pulled out of Vody's sermon, I listened to your sermon and then I listened to Vody's sermon because I knew he had taught one about social justice. So I wanted to kind of compare what you guys were saying. And I think the as much as he gets right, and I know he's not here to defend himself, but I'll just say as as somebody who was a listener experiencing the sermon, a takeaway that I got from it is I think he makes the same mistake a lot of Christians do who are more culture warrior Christians who are trying to fight the culture more than they're trying to reach the culture. He is talking so much about the negative aspects of the way that secular progressives do things like feminism or LGBTQ rights or helping the poor that it comes across to a listener who may not be a part of his inner circle or his denomination to an outside listener and especially to a non-Christian listener. It just sounds like he doesn't care about those things. And I think that's a danger we can slip into is when we're trying so hard to fight against the terms and definitions that we don't like that we're not we're not as strong in the way that we define the way that we actually care for people and the way that the gospel actually helps and intersects with being there for people who are struggling in the world. Like culture has all sorts of problems. And, and like you guys said, the world has all sorts of ways that they do social justice that we don't agree with. But for us as Christians, we do have answers to those problems. Yeah. There's, there's problems on either side of it because, you know, being in San Francisco, I, I can't tell you how many people I've seen uh, move here and fall in love with Jesus and then really want to stay here long term mm. and then get swept away by the ideologies of San Francisco. Mm. And then pretty soon their faith looks nothing like, I don't think, nothing like the faith of Christ mm. or the teachings of Jesus, I should say. And, and they get swept away by ideology where mm. one thing, like it could be racism, turns into all sorts of other things that are so far outside of the realm of, I believe, a Orthodox Christian teaching and Orthodox mm. Christian way of living, then that you just got swept in the ideology. So the, but, but so then the other thing is this, okay, then let's say this, let's say we are, we take that kind of more of a, more of a stance where we're a little bit more harsh, we're a little bit more controlling, we're a little bit more get rid of this and do this and do this. Now you will, you will find people that like move to San Francisco to take the stand, but they won't last long. Mm. They'll get destroyed in the other way. They'll get destroyed because it's just too hard to hang on. And I'm not going to live here. I'm not going to raise my kids here. I'm going to, I'm going to dust my sandals off of the city. and I'm going to move. Yeah. So there has to be this radical middle people that want to like live in the tension. It's hard to live in San Francisco as a follower of Jesus. It's really hard to pastor in San Francisco because you're always having to live in the tension mm. of extremes. Mm. You do not want to become someone who is so against the culture that you, there's no way you can live in San Francisco. Yeah. You don't want to become so so squishy around the edges to the culture that you, you're, the Christianity and the Christ that you follow has no more definition. Mm. How do you stay in the radical middle? The cross is the radical middle, literally Jesus hanging between heaven and earth. Mm. And that is the cruciform life and the cruciform way is actually the call of Jesus. How do yeah. you, but it's hard to stay there. It's really, yeah. I will admit that it's hard to stay there, but that's the call. I think that's the call. So mm. how do you not fall on either side of those as a Christian in this, in this topic is mm. the question that's the question that I think small groups need to be wrestling with, families need to be wrestling with. How do we stay in this radical middle where, mm. you know, Keller says, how, how do you become someone who has the faith that, that changed the Roman world where they were, they're radically for the poor. They, they didn't believe in infanticide. They were people, basically pro-life people. They, mm. they were a multi-ethnic congregation. So they were really like, you know, racial uh, justice and racial reconciliation was a huge part of the early church. Mm. In our terms, we would say that. They, they wouldn't say it that way, but we, we can look back and say that's what they were doing. Right. They, right. They, they had a high value in human sexuality, husband and wife for life, which is very conservative. And then he said they were non-retaliatory, but no one's non-retaliatory now. So, so, yeah. you, like, so you, you actually had this really radical middle of like, yeah. we would call it conservative politics and liberal politics and then something that neither of them had this, way, this space where you were you didn't retaliate when you, yeah. when you were sinned against you didn't you didn't you didn't retaliate yeah it, i'm try i'm i'm not i don't know how good of a job i'm doing but that's my hope that's <laughs> no, our hope I, as a church to do yeah. that to become people who live in this radical middle where hmm. half our church is always mad at us honestly about something whether it's very <laughs> progressive people in our church mad that we don't do say this 
or more conservative people in our church that say this. And literally, we have people on both sides that leave our church often because mm. of, of those things. I think that's really hard, but I think I feel I find that so much better than I than when I see churches pandering constantly to one side or the other only, because it just creates this echo chamber where you're only learning to see the world through one perspective and you're not actually learning how to reach anybody outside of your bubble. And and I think that you've done a great job of that. I I visited your church years ago on a missions trip, started listening to the podcast. And I I just find that honestly, my, (laughs) the pastors I look up to the most when it comes to learning how to navigate our crazy culture are guys like you uh, and John Mark Comer and Josh White, Tim Mackey, Dominic Doan, people who have planted and run churches in very secular progressive environments, but still have maintained this faithfulness to the way of Jesus and not gotten swept up in all of those ideologies. And, you know, you can, you can also see pastors who are more conservative get swept up into ideologies that are not of Jesus on that side of politics. And so it's something that we need to be very careful of. And I I think you're pointing out something that I've always found uh, to be very powerful, and it's something that we see in the person of Jesus, because think about Jesus, like, coming into his society, and he's known as the friend of the prostitutes and the tax collectors, and I think it's so interesting, because did Jesus hate prostitution? Absolutely. Like, he hates, he hates exploitation of women. He hates abuse, sexual abuse. Does he hate tax collecting? Like, absolutely. Or, or not, not tax collecting in itself, but the way that they were doing it at the time, the abuse of that system and robbing mm-hmm. from the, the Hebrew people to give to Rome and all that. But does he spend his time with his disciples picketing on the side of the road against uh, prostitution or against tax collecting? No, he spends time with those people. Like he's not trying to destroy the system through political means. He's trying to destroy the system by getting people to come to him and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they're leaving their life of prostitution, and they're leaving their life of, of robbing from the poor to give to the rich. And so that, I think, is the model, like not trying to be so against culture. We're all, because the reality is I talk to non-Christians all the time. I've made an effort throughout my life to retain friendships with people who are non-Christians because I want to know what they're thinking. I don't want to just talk about them. I want to talk with them. And the way that they view Christians, the perception that that culture has of Christians is they just hate us and they just want to, all they, all they care about is just legislating their views onto our society in a way that takes away our rights and freedoms and all that kind of stuff. And, 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 and that's all they're seeing is just that sort of political activism and not like, oh my gosh, Christians are the people where even though they disagree with me, they're bending over backwards to sit down and treat me like a human. I think that's what we need more of, honestly. Yeah, I 100% agree. The thing that I would, in, in what you said, and I agree with your comment, the, the caveat I would add to your comment is Jesus mm. did do that, but he did go after the system. And the system mm. in the time of Jesus was that religious people were were separating what God wanted to join together. So, mm. you know, in Genesis, right, don't, don't separate what God has joined together, that literally all of Genesis is about separation and unity, separation and unity, right? Mm, That's what mm. God does. He like separates and unifies, separates and unifies. And then human, husband and wife, male, female, separates them and then unifies them in marriage. And he says, what God has brought together, let no person separate. Mm. So God, God actually wants the separation to be separation and the unity to be unity in his way. So, so when Jesus gets there, the, there's a, a religious system that was separating what God actually wanted to join together, mm. right? Sinners mm. to God. And so this is why he was crucified. This is why he was killed. He was literally, the reason why he was hanging out with prostitutes, the reason why he was hanging out with tax collectors, he was actually joining together mm. what religion had separated. That was a system that kept sinners here mm. and the righteous here. Wow. And Jesus was subverting that system, literally doing that. So yes, he was doing what you said. And while he was doing that, he was subverting the system of religiosity. Mm-hmm. That's really good. Yeah, thank you for that pushback. I I totally welcome that, and that's very valuable. I'm going to jump over again to something that Vodi said. So I think this really will play into something you were saying about the difficulties of being a pastor in a progressive city like San Francisco. And I'd love to hear how you handle this, because, again, you're somebody you're not shy about the term social justice. You're not pushing that term away. You're trying to meet culture on its level. 
but Vody, his pushback is, according to social justice, only the group in power can ever be at fault. And this is problematic as a pastor because, you know, Vody is a black man himself, and he comments that as a black pastor, according to social justice rules, he can only call white people out on their sin. If he tries to point out any flaws in black congregants or even the black community as a whole, social justice says that he's victim-blaming. And so you may say, well, wait a minute, this group may be disadvantaged in this area because of something within that group. Uh, 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 uh. That's victim blaming. Yeah, but there could be statistical reason. I don't want to hear about your statistics. You're blaming the victim. The answer is a redress of grievances. That's the ideology of social justice. And I, I think that also plays into, you know, for us as pastors, where if we're dealing with somebody in the church who's struggling with same-sex attraction or LGBTQ issues or something, according to social justice rules in the secular realm, it's bullying to basically criticize anybody who is in a minority or oppressed status group. So how, how do you deal with that? Again, I think he's attaching, I mean, I don't know his writings or him as a person, so... But I think he's attaching a, a, a clear problem that I see, that I agree with. I don't disagree with anything he's saying. He's attaching that to social justice. Well, I don't think that's social justice problem. That's, that's a culture war mm. problem. Mm. That's a social media problem. That's a problem <laughs> yeah. of our society. It's not social justice that does that. That's that's ideology that does that. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, as again, I just would... To, to point out a problem like that, that is a problem, but attach it to social justice is a misaim, in mm. my opinion. Mm. That is a problem that our society has. That is a cultural problem in our moment hmm. where certain people can only speak out in certain things. That is, again, to use this language, co-opted by uh, progressive social justice warriors. And I just, I think that's wrong. That's what needs to get called out. Like as a, as a pastor, you're, we should call out sin wherever we, we see it, hmm. wherever hmm. we find it. We should call it out, not, not to call it the sinner, but to, to bring light where there's light, there's, there's lights a great disinfectant. It it heals. It it sets right. It you know yeah. it cleans. So so yeah. I mean I I don't know if I would I would argue too much about his point. I, I agree with it. I just mm. don't know if you want to peg it all on social justice. That's just the problem. Yeah, That's the I, problem I, with anything. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. I think that as Christians we need to learn how to hold our theology in a way that is winsome and it draws people in rather than pushes them away. And if that sounds impossible, like, again, I always go back to the example of Jesus, because how do you get known to be the friend of, of prostitutes? Like, how does that happen? It doesn't happen with you walking into the brothel and just protesting and picketing and telling them you're wrong and what you're doing is wrong and it's horrible. Like, there's an element of getting to know people and sitting down at that table and looking at them in the eyes and, and seeing their humanity and their value as a person. And then there's time for the Holy Spirit to do its work. Then there's time for the Holy Spirit to convict of sin. And we know that, that many in those stations of life and areas of life did leave things and follow Jesus. I think as we're closing, I, I, if I could bring it back to social justice, you, you were mentioning earlier, like, what's another term that could be used, right? Have you ever heard of people trying to use the term, oh, don't use social justice, but use biblical justice? That's been something that's come up in the conversation. Have, have, you, have you heard that? Yeah, I've used that term, biblical justice. Absolutely. Yeah, now, I don't think it's a bad term. I just think right. <laughs> try to use that at uh, Twitter when you're working at Twitter. I mean, it's just I don't understand how that would like people are like, wait, it, what? It, what are you? Yeah, again, and the church inside of language is so like it's really hard yeah. if you're doing the work of persuasion. Uh, to get people to understand the way of Jesus. Right. So you can use that term in the church. As you're teaching people, I think it's really good to go, this is what a biblical idea of justice is. But again, Bible, Bible, I mean, I don't, I think everyone might might understand this. You, any pastor through their really good eloquence can make the Bible say anything they want to say. So they could say justice means, uh, you know, genocide on a community because of their systemic sin. And so we're going to wipe them out. That mm. has been, the Bible has been used in that way. So when you say biblical, you can actually make, almost make anything fit into a biblical. So that's true. Uh, that's very so true. I so, so when you say that, I would probably, I mean, 
you can say that, but there's so many problems with that as well. So there's so problems with everything, right? Hmm. So it's not easy. I think the, so if you wanted to say biblical, I would make sure that you're, you're rooting that squarely in the teachings of Jesus. This is what Jesus has revealed the father and has shown us the way to live into the, into his way. So hmm. Hmm. make sure that we're, we're centering on that. Hmm. That's really good. Yeah, I feel like I feel like the, one of the biggest takeaways that I would hope that people would get from this conversation after having it with you is, you know, on the one hand, like if you're a church like Dave's church that is sort of embracing that term, just be careful and and be wary that you are trying to f- and like live out that term under the banner of the way of Jesus and not getting swept up into any secular ideologies. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of that. And then on the other side, if you're a church that where you're just like, you know what, we're not going to use that term social justice. It just has too much political baggage. Our people aren't going to understand the background of our people when they hear that term. It's a trigger word and it's going to make them assume all these things. I would just say to people taking that stance, you know, maybe you agree more with Vody that you shouldn't ever use that term. My, my suggestion would just be don't assume the worst of another church using that term. Like if you hear another ter- church is using the term social justice or our church is involved with social justice, don't just jump in your mind to the worst example of some secular inaction of social justice that you heard of on whatever news station you watch. Give people the benefit of the doubt and, and think maybe they're doing this in a way that is actually biblical. And so... I think my, my last question for you, Dave, would just be, what is some encouragement you can give to churches? Because this, this podcast, we have a lot of, we have pastors that listen to the show, we have youth pastors, we have lay Christians who are desiring to walk in ministry. What's, what is a practical way they can start dipping their toe into this topic to study more and to learn more about how to approach this from a biblical Christian worldview? Yeah, I would find people that you're going to learn from. That's the biggest one. Like find people that have, that are, are nuanced, that are, that are really deep diving deeply into this topic and learn from them. One of my mentors in this space has been Brian Loritz. He's an, an excellent communicator, an excellent man. And he's, he's lived with this, with this tension, planted a church, a multi-ethnic, multiracial church like 15 years ago. And so like I find people, Rich Viotis in, in New York, who's also helped me think a lot through this, through several conversations. I just find people that I can learn from. Mm. And the best, if you're a pastor, start with like finding your favorite person teaching on this. It might be just a popular level. And then I always look up people's quotes. So that's the tip. Mm. Who, when they quote someone, you know, so-and-so said this, go read the book that they quoted mm. and then, and then read the books that they quote, read the footnotes and then go read the source material. That's, that's work, but that's the work, right? If you're a pastor, mm. you're a youth pastor, that's the work. You know, when I listen to sermons, I'm always like pausing it and going, okay, who did that person quote? Okay. What book is that from? <laughs> yeah. Oh, find the, find the quote, find the book, read the book, read the footnotes. Who are they sourcing? And then going and buy those books, you know, that sort of thing. You have to do your work. Right. Speak, speaking of quotes, I found this one, and I think we could close with this quote, but I, I can't figure out where it came from. But have you heard this one? Not all social justice is biblical, but all biblical justice is social. Yeah, I have heard that. I don't know where that's from, but yep, that's how, 100% true. Like, the last thing, for the last thing on the show, how would you explain what that quote means? It means that social justice gets swept up in all sorts of cultural ideology and there's a lot of it that veer far left and far right of what mm. God's intention was. But all justice that God has prescribed for us, that all God has called us into, will affect social society, mm. people, and systems. Mm. That's good. That's good. Dave, thanks so much for being here, man. This was awesome. Absolutely. Really enjoyed the conversation. And we'd love to have you on again sometime. So Yeah, thanks a lot, all right, yeah. Aaron. Awesome. What an incredible conversation with Dave. As I sit here in the editing bay reflecting on it, I think I'd like to just close our time with a few thoughts. I was really encouraged with Dave's explanation of why he felt comfortable using the term social justice. And to me, what stood out the most was his desire to attempt to do what Jesus did in reaching culture on their level, 
but then calling them to something higher. To look at somebody who might want to try to change the world through a worldly version of social justice, and then instead to say, hey, let me show you the way that Jesus does this. I find that method so much more invitational than just the church folding its arms and saying, we don't use those terms. We only will play if you play by our rules and use our terms, which in my experience, at least generally doesn't really work well with getting the rest of the world interested in what Jesus has to offer. However, on the flip side, though, listening to the concerns of Vody Bakum and pastors like him, I can absolutely understand why there is concern. I mean, it seems like every day as I scroll through social media, I'm seeing more and more people and even Christians buying into extremely worldly versions of social justice that are trying to forge an equitable society through methods of intimidation, shame, guilt, revenge, and honestly, even prejudice. So I can understand the perspective of someone like Vody who would say, let's completely stay away from that term. It's dangerous. My goal in producing this episode wasn't to say Vody is right, Dave is wrong, or Dave is right, Vody is wrong. In fact, you heard in the interview several times, Dave basically said, yeah, I actually agree with what Vody is saying. I would just go about what I would do with that agreement in a different way. One of the main missions that Brian and I have with this show is to encourage Christians to think critically, see the nuances, and to invite the Holy Spirit to guide us into thoughtful reflection rather than jumping to conclusions based on the latest headline in the Christian culture wars. One of the things I've seen over and over again is how much our society is causing us to see everything in fatalistic black and white terms and to judge one another by jumping to conclusions. And so my hope is that after hearing this episode, if you're somebody in the church, somebody in ministry and leadership, or just a, a tender, and you hear somebody at your church use a term like social justice, instead of jumping to conclusions and thinking, oh, so I see this person is some sort of woke activist, Marxist, leftist, communist, socialist, instead ask them the question, why is it that you use that term? What do you mean when you use that term? What do you not mean when you use that term? And by the same token, if we hear somebody say, I reject social justice, well, instead of jumping to conclusions and thinking, oh, this is some cruel, hard-hearted, bigoted, greedy, capitalism-obsessed person who only cares about their own selfishness, maybe instead ask them the question, why is it that you don't use that term? Can you explain that? What does justice look like to you? What does mercy look like to you? Because the reality is there are so many churches that are essentially doing the same type of outreach to their community and service to their community and love for their community. And the only difference is some churches call it social justice and other churches call it things like outreach or charity work. A lot of us are playing for the same team. Now, of course, we need to be careful. I do think it's very easy for a fixation on social justice to turn into an embrace of the social gospel, which, of course, we know is a false gospel. The problem with the social gospel is we spend all of our time feeding and clothing those in need, but because we don't preach the good news, we send them on their way to hell with a nice coat and a full belly. On the flip side, it can be very easy to become a church that says, we don't have anything to do with social justice. We just preach the gospel. Oftentimes in those situations, because the gospel is only shared through word and not through deed and example, people end up not living out the gospel. They do not allow the truth of Jesus who lived a perfect life, died and was resurrected, and who has now made us, his followers, into a new humanity. The truth doesn't sink in and produce fruit. And so the gospel is not exemplified by new creations, new humans going out and impacting their social community to love and to serve others the way that Jesus did. In these situations, a church can become stale and so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. And so I think there's balance. And I think that every church is going to navigate how to balance the nuances of this topic differently. Some may embrace the term social justice, but completely view it differently from the way the world views it, taking it out of the secular philosophies and putting it squarely into the realm of orthodox theology. Other churches will reject the term social justice, but will still, in effect, do it, just under a different name and different language. I think it's important for the church that we show grace 
charity, and generosity to one another when we're discussing these issues, when we're describing why or why not we've decided to use certain terms. I think we are often too quick to draw dividing lines against one another without actually making an effort to understand one another. And so the antidote is to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger as we try our best to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. I'm Aaron Salvato, and you've been listening to The Good Line Podcast. Thank you.